What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we are going to talk about the Denver Nuggets being eliminated from the NBA playoffs, as well as each of the three remaining playoff series going on. We're going to talk about some interesting things going on in each of those series. So I hope you guys enjoy. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. Yo, what is going on, everyone? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. I'm going to try to take a break from the rants this time. I had a pretty uh, long-winded, heavy rant last week. So I'm going to try to be a little more calm this time. And the Clippers are, while they're down 2-1, to one, they're actually playing pretty well right now. So they, you know, they're still managing to stay off my rant radar. So uh, I love basketball, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. I hope you guys enjoy What's going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. And while I don't love basketball like Eric, um, <laughs> still excited to uh, get here and talk about this. You know, uh, I was getting pretty worried about my lock that I made last episode, but the the Hawks are uh, they're keeping me in it, so I'm not looking terribly stupid yet on it. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about these teams and what's going to be happening going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, once again, another all-NBA episode, because this is the season that matters for the NBA. Weird that it's not the finals, though. I still like expect this time of year to be the, when the NBA finals are going on, but we're just second round of the playoffs. So the because of COVID, the whole calendar is being shifted around for, for a while. Hopefully next season is more normal, and we have a normal start and a normal playoffs and everything, but... We shall see. So uh, what we've been doing is whenever a team gets eliminated from the playoffs, we kind of want to talk about what their what's next for their future. And we only have one eliminated team that we haven't yet covered, and that's the recently swept Denver Nuggets. So they got swept uh, four to zero by the Phoenix Suns. And um, I read an article here. A lot of these discussions are going to be based off of articles that I've read, but um this one is titled the nuggets after being swept out of the playoffs face big offseason questions so um basically guys a summary of this article is them talking about how next year is it's it's a big year for the nuggets as a team they have a lot of decisions to make they've got um a big contract in aaron gordon with one more year left what are they going to do with him um you've got jamal murray they're leading point guard who will come back hopefully sometime next season. How is he going to fit in? When will he come back? Uh, because of the injury and the surgery, what should we expect from him? Because it's not a guarantee he's going to be the same player that he was before. Um, you've got Jokic looking at a super max extension. Uh, you've got Michael Porter Jr. looking at a potential max extension. And then you have an entire bench for the Nuggets with guys like Paul Millsap, Austin Rivers, um, Monte Morris could be a starter next year. Just a bunch of bench players that we don't know what's going to happen, if they're going to come back or if they're going to just find a completely new bench. What's going to happen for the Denver Nuggets? So I guess I'll start with the with the more important question, which is Michael Porter Jr., because Basically, next season at the start of the year, he's going to be the number two option uh, behind uh, Nikola Jokic. So 
Um, Michael Porter Jr. now, because of Murray's injury, is going to have a bigger role than he had this year. And my question is, what do you guys expect? So I'll start with Eric first on this. Like, Are you optimistic about him being a number two player for the Nuggets? Do you think it's a downgrade from Murray? Do you think he's you know, a potential star in the making? What do you think about Michael Porter? What do you like? What do you dislike? And then um, how how is it going to be for the Nuggets? For the Nuggets? I think he has potential to be at an all-star level. I just don't know if I see it happening, though, because the biggest problem I have with Michael Porter Jr. is his defense. Um, he is a horrible defender. And I, we were talking before the show about how uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker really exposed that in the series, but uh, some people may not have seen it, but last year he was just as bad, if not, you know, worse. I mean, he, it, it just wasn't as exposed back then, I guess, with him being more of a number three option. He wasn't in it. He, he had all of his like uh, flashy dunks and, you know, cool stuff he was doing offensively that people kind of overlooked that. But it definitely really got exposed uh, in this series. And it's kind of the problem I have with the Nuggets going forward because Jokic is great of an offensive player as he is. He gets exposed a lot defensively. Michael Porter Jr. gets exposed a lot defensively. Jamal Murray, when healthy, gets exposed a lot defensively. Like They they really need help defensively going forward, but as for Michael Porter Jr., so he has one year left, right? Like, he's like, this isn't, this wasn't his last year, right? No, so, no. He, yeah, he has one more year for the team and then uh, is looking at an extension. I'll just read that and check and see. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm the Nuggets, like my plan going forward is, you know, give him the early part of the season to see how he does, you know, as a number two going forward. If it seems like he can handle the load and if, he, if he's doing really well, then I would, you know, maybe, maybe he can work on his defense in the off season, you know, uh, then I would look to see about giving a contract extension. But you know, if we're getting like halfway through the season and he's still getting exposed on defense and if he's still uh, struggling in, in that regard and maybe if he's not doing great as a second option offensively, then you look to trade him before the trade deadline and get something for him. So that that's kind of where I'm at going forward with him. Okay. And then I'll, I'll just ask Connor this question, kind of two things here. For Jamal Murray, what do you expect, I guess, like if like from him next season? And then as far as the Nuggets bench, like because you did pick the Nuggets to win this series originally. So I'm guessing that you thought the bench was going to be a lot better than they were. Do you think they should just blow up the bench and, and, and retool? I mean, it is really hard because obviously, like you said, you know, you have the the contract issues that are going to be going on, like, you know, possibly a max for Michael Porter, possibly a super max for Jokic. I think probably what they should do. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to blowing up their bench. I mean, I know obviously I think if I'm them, I don't know. Aaron Gordon's also another wild card, but they definitely should probably look to blow up that bench and get more defensive help because, and also if blowing it, like if Michael Porter's contract is going to cause an issue, like if Eric said, like if he doesn't come out and, you know, really kind of try to fill in that number two role, because I expect like, obviously it was a pretty bad injury for Jamal Murray and it happened late in the season. So it's going to hamper him to start the next season. But I think this is the NBA is definitely one of those sports where 
I see it happen a lot more often than say like the NFL where players can come back and they can still be at that same level. So, I mean, I wouldn't be, obviously I wouldn't be surprised if Jamal Murray like didn't look like the same player, but I expect him to come back and look like the same player and to be that number two option, which is why I'm even more hesitant to like, even at this moment, even consider a max contract for Michael Porter. Like unless he comes out and just like absolutely lights the world on fire, I'm still like in the back of my head thinking like, well, I don't know yet. Like I need to see what Murray does first. You know, if Murray comes back and is that successful number two, like I think he's going to be, then I don't even consider a max extension for Porter. I think about trading him right at that moment. So, and that can give them the flexibility to blow up that bench and try and bring in more defensive help. Because obviously you're going to want to give that super max to Jokic. Like there's no question in the Nuggets mind that like you got to do, you got to lock up Jokic and make Jokic happy. Um, Because I mean, the whole team revolves around him. So it's, yeah, they can. I don't even consider that max contract if they think about blowing up the bench, which I agree. Maybe they should do because I clearly my feeling about them didn't really get me anywhere. So, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't expect like I knew the Suns were a good team. But after seeing the way that they like still even had their struggles against the Lakers, you know, when they were undermanned. I didn't see this sweep came out of nowhere in my mind. Like I thought this was probably going to go at least like six games. Um, so yeah, I blowing up the bench. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. They, yeah, they gotta, Aaron, they gotta Aaron do Gordon, something. Aaron gotta go, dude. Like, oh, <laughs> for sure. That's why I wasn't a fan of it when they brought him in at the trade deadline. I wasn't a fan of it for them because I thought, I, I honestly, Aaron Gordon it was kind of bad on both sides, too. honestly. Like, but like, kind of bad for the magic for what they got, yeah. kind of bad for the nuggets, like, too. <laughs> but the thing is, is Gordon he gets overrated I think because of his dunking because he's been in those dunk contests and had crazy dunks. Kind of like you said, Eric, how in the bubble Michael Porter would score like 45 points and then everyone's like, Oh my God, Michael Porter jr. You know, but then, then in a regular season, a real season and other playoffs, uh, it shows more of who he is, you know, and he gets exposed on defense for, for sure. So, Let's transition now, guys, and talk about the series that are ongoing. So we'll start in the East, and we're going to start with the Hawks uh, 76ers. So we are recording this late Monday night. The Clippers-Jazz game, that's ongoing right now. But uh, as far as the Hawks 76ers, we do know that it's a 2-2 two to two series tie. So this is the one last episode Connor locked the Hawks to win the series. They were up 1-0 at that point. Now it's 2-2. Two, two. So going back for a big game five in Philly... Um, I think a stat is like 80% of the time, whoever wins game five when it's tied wins the series. So, you know, it'd be an understatement to say that that's a big game. So the article that I've kind of picked out for this Hawks 76ers series is titled the need for perspective is necessary as the Hawks trail Sixers two to one. So this was written before the two to two tie. And it was and really you know, the 2-2 the two to two tie, it's it's how the series has been. The Hawks have won these close games, you know, and then the Sixers have kind of had blowout wins. So when the Sixers win, they seem to win big. The Hawks get these gritty come from behind, or in game one, they had the survive the run that the Sixers went on in the fourth quarter. So um, basically, though, the summary of this article, they're talking about how 
you know, the Sixers, they have three max players on their team, Harris and Bede Simmons. They're a team that's like built to win a championship now, you know, whereas the Hawks, they only have Trey Young and a bunch of really nice players around him, but no other stars for Trey Young. So um, basically it's like, hey, the Hawks, they're an up and coming team. They they won their first round because they were the better team in this round. I think the Sixers are definitely the better team, but you know, now it's two to two. So anything can happen and it's really going to come down to Trey young, having to be the best player in the series. In my opinion, he's going to have to outshine Embiid, And he was able to do that in this game because Embiid was relatively quiet in the second half, but in those games, two and three, Embiid really had his way in the Hawks. They weren't playing the, their typical game of shooting threes. And the Sixers were just owning the paint, basically. So, uh, Connor, you've been you know, riding the Hawks bandwagon all playoffs here. You picked them to win against the Knicks. You picked them to beat the Sixers here in this series, locked it, at, as we mentioned earlier. So, for you, what do you think, like, for the Hawks, like, to get on the next level? Like, what is it going to take for them to get to that next level to get to where they're a legit championship contender. Is it just Trey young getting even better or these other guys getting better or adding in another piece? Um, I'm trying, it is hard to think about that, but I mean, cause unfortunately for him, I mean, if I had to go through and like, it's so hard to actually really pick out like who's the second best player on this team. Like, you know, it just depends on the night. Like sometimes it's Bogdanovich. Sometimes it's Capella, you know, I think like game one, it was like John Collins was probably the second best. So, um, I mean, a lot of it really is these guys just need to develop. I mean, you know, obviously DeAndre Hunter getting hurt, like really hurt them. I mean, my, my X factors aren't doing good. If you go back to that episode, like Porzingis was a no show and now Hunter's like, you know, he's out for the rest of the playoffs. So, um, I think the Hawks were smart in their minds to go to like a more defensive style of game. Um, like get more physical with Embiid because obviously not having Hunter that loses probably your best defender when it comes to Tobias Harris. So, you know, they had to shake things up and figure out another strategy, but uh, so I don't think it would hurt to bring in another piece. I don't know if they need to quite bring in say like another superstar. Um, I feel like that'd probably be hard for them anyway, just because like Atlanta is not exactly a, glorious destination you know kind of like trying to bring people to like la or new york or miami or anything so um i don't know who exactly it would be obviously i don't know i haven't really looked at the free agency list this upcoming off season but definitely need to bring in maybe like maybe not a younger player because this team is very young anyway maybe try and bring in an older veteran player who's still like kind of like a chris paul type player obviously not his contract or anything but you know, a veteran player who's been around the block, who's still really good, but, you know, not really a superstar anymore. But, you know, they can, he can be there. He can, men- like, someone who can mentor Trey Young, mentor these young guys. Because, yeah, the way this team is trending, I mean, if they're hanging with a team like the Sixers with, you know, like you said, their three max players, I mean, the Hawks are headed for future success. You know, it's it's only a matter of time. But I think an older veteran player, not not another superstar, just to mentor the guys and get, and bring them up, and they could be, you know, looking, they could be looking like title contenders here next in the next season, or even maybe two years from now, they could be title contenders. And then Eric, uh, from the 76ers perspective, like 
now that it's tied two to two, what's it going to take for them to win this series? Like what, what are your most important things for the 76ers to do to win these next two games? Like, is it Embiid going off? Is it Simmons going off? Is it shutting down Trey Young? What's like the most important thing in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, obviously shutting down Trey Young. I mean, obviously they're not going to completely shut him down. But yeah, containing him, it has got to be the number one priority. Make one of the other guys step up and beat you. You know, if, if Bogdanovich goes off for thirty, you know, then you can live with that. But you don't want Trey Young going out here and getting thirty, forty points. But now I didn't get to see the game four. I was at work, uh, and I haven't. Yeah, I don't even know the stats or anything, but. From what I've seen in the early games, Ben Simmons has been doing nothing offensively. He's like, I think one of the games I watched, he scored only like nine points or something like that. I mean, he had 11 in this game. 11. I mean, yeah, he, I know obviously he can't shoot. I mean, obviously he's not going to go out there and like drain threes or something, but (laughs) you, you, he's got to get more involved in the game plan though. Like you can't just rely on Tobias Harris hitting all of his shots or Embiid being able to get physical and make all his points in the paint. Like you're getting paid to be a max contract player. Like you need to be out there at least getting 20 points a game, at least get 20 and 10. I mean, it, it, he needs to at least be doing that, but he hasn't been doing it. I don't know why he's so timid. He's always looking to pass like, when he drives, he he almost always kicks it out. He's Looking like, like LeBron. Yeah, it's like... He's a worse know, LeBron, I think. Like, he tries to play yeah. like him, but he's not as good, you know? <laughs> LeBron, I mean, he's a better defender than LeBron, but yeah. LeBron can at least, you know, shoot the ball sometimes. You know, like... Well, LeBron's LeBron, got... I mean, LeBron, like, you know, he's, he's not the best three-pointer shooter, but he's got a killer mid-range shot, so, like, you can't leave him open from there. <laughs> no, I mean... Well, I mean, I... I LeBron having an amazing mid-range shot is debatable, but at least well, like, <laughs> yeah. you have to LeBron, respect it. But yeah, yeah you, you can't just like leave him alone. Whereas like Ben Simmons, like if he's at the three-point line, you can be all the way to the free-throw line, and you know he's not going to shoot it. So like that—that's that's why I don't really like Ben Simmons. I mean, I know we're talking about kind of like what the Hawks need to do going forward. Like yeah, you know, the 76ers will get to them eventually, but like when if they lose or whatever or at the end of the season. But I mean they they need to move on from Ben Simmons. Like they, they need to get rid of him. Like, and beat and Harris are way better. They're way more valuable to the team. Like, but Simmons has got to start stepping up. If the 76ers are going to beat the Hawks, or even if, you know, even if they beat the Hawks, like, you know, they're going to get either the bucks or the nets next. I mean, you know, who are both doesn't really get teams. easier from here. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's not like, Oh, if they win this series, they get the Knicks next or something. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. They, well, especially, they're, they're, they're facing the more elite competition going forward. So Ben Simmons has got to start stepping up. Well, especially if they win and then like the Nets come out of the other series and they get all their players back healthy, like then you're really becomes a hard task. <laughs> Yeah, then it's a big three versus big three. But if you're just playing like a role player, then you know, I don't know. Like, that, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think anyone would debate that the Nets' big three is better than the Sixers' big three. Yeah, for sure. Like, like on the, I've talked about him before. Like Bruce Blitz, like on his website, uh, uh, this one guy that's on his show a lot, he calls himself uh, MG for Mad Genius, but he he says that. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, and Ben Simmons is the greatest role player of all time. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, it, That's it, pretty it, funny. I mean, at first I thought about him, I mean, you know, he, 
fast contract, you know, and he does like, you know, he did, he gets some numbers and all that. But then I'm like, but then when you watch him play and you, you know, you watch how he can't shoot and how he's hardly ever involved in the offense other than making a pass every now and then or a, a liability of the free throw a, line. Uh, yeah. He can't yeah. make free throws. He, you know, he, uh, you know, he makes layups and dunks every now and then, but that's really all he does offensively. Like he's a role player. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, not a big fan of Ben Simmons. If you haven't noticed. <laughs> All right, so, man, things have sure taken a turn in this series. So I'm talking about the Bucks and Nets. It's 2-2 two to two now. I know when we last recorded, we were coming off the blowout game two win for the Nets. They still had Kyrie healthy at that time. We all thought, all right, this is over. You know, Milwaukee, they're going to they're gonna need to probably fire their coach and do something to, to shake things up. But... Uh, credit to them. They won their two games at home, two hugely important games for them that they needed to win both of those, I think. And goes back to another game five now in Brooklyn. So similar to the East, both these series are at two to two. And um, obviously everybody knows now Kyrie's been hurt. And I think both him and Harden, I think, are unlikely to come back. They're they're actually. The I just saw an article on ESPN. They are going to miss Game Five. Both. Of yeah, them. I knew they were missing Game Five, but for the series in general, I I doubt they come back in this series, even if it goes to seven. I think, I think Kyrie can't play. It, like he physically wouldn't be able to play this series, and then for Harden, I think it's way too big of a risk to re-injure it. So I think it's gonna be just KD and and obviously he has a history of getting injured as well so who knows but uh, <laughs> well then it's really over <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so the the article I picked out for this one it's uh Kevin Durant gets his quote LeBron moment with the Nets as Kyrie Irving's luck against Mike Budenholzer worsens so kind of what this is referring to is how it's referring back to I think it was 2015 uh when the Cavs had LeBron and Kyrie on that team and Mike Budenholzer was coaching the Atlanta Hawks and they, they met in the playoffs. Kyrie got hurt in like game one or something. So Kyrie seems to always get hurt against Mike Budenholzer. I don't, that's just a weird thing I found out about, but uh, basically is not, it's not always a correlation. Yeah. not always, what is that saying? Like correlation uh, is not always causality, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. I, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. Core. It's just because it's correlated doesn't mean it's it's what caused it, you know. Just because he always gets hurt playing against Mike Budenholzer doesn't mean Mike Budenholzer is making him get hurt, you know. But yeah, um, is Budenholzer like a voodoo doll or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hey, man, if you if you want to look at like crazy, uh, there's like a website out there that like you can look at like crazy things that are like combined. Like it'll be something weird, like oh, like the number of like ice cream sandwiches eaten will correlate with the number of like tornadoes or something. It's yeah, weird. Like, I, yeah. uh... <laughs> um, but basically it was back in 2015, Kyrie got hurt in the playoffs against the Hawks. And I think Kevin Love was already hurt. So it was basically just Shocker. LeBron. <laughs> yeah. It, it was basically just LeBron and like the other Cavaliers that everybody called them, like the, the Timothy, Timothy Mozgov and like, that um and oh, then that Del australian Del guy Del yeah that delavidovich yeah so uh it was basically like lebron and a bunch of bums and then they they beat the uh hawks now granted 
that Hawks team was way worse than this Bucks team right now that KD's going up against. But and then they ended up losing in the finals to the Warriors. But basically, it gets to the bigger point here, which is about Kevin Durant and how, you know, I said before, I think he's the best player in the series. I was, you know, I don't think there's any excuses for him still. I think he's got to win this series if he wants to be considered the best player in the game, because that's what a lot of people think. You know, there's some people, the the quote-unquote bronze sexuals that Eric talked about before, they're never <laughs> changing their minds. You got a bunch of people that, I, I put Connor in this group, that think Giannis is the best player in the game right now. You know, you have a bunch of really and, delusional people who a bunch of really delusional people that think Harden's the best player in the game. You got you got those group. You got some people that just be like, "Oh, Jokic won the MVP. He's the best player." You got or other Westbrook, other fan bases, triple double Westbrook, their own oh, favorite God, players. I, I like, don't even bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> but but KD, he's one of the top five. Like if you if you're talking about the five best players. A lot of basically everybody has him in that top five. And then there's a lot of people that would say he's the best. So if he's really the best player in the league right now, kind of like the Jordan thing, the Kobe thing, when they were the best players, they got to get it done. You know, they there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be bad calls. All these things happen. But if you're healthy and able to be on the floor, it's up to you at the end of the day if you're the best player. And in the third quarter, it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I, they talked about in the article. I saw it too when it happened um, in game four after Kyrie's injury. Basically, he either scored or assisted on like every single possession. Like the Nets players would play hot potato with him. Like they give him the ball. Here, get, get, get the ball, Kevin Durant. Give, give you the ball. Like they, he was basically the Nets players. I think they got to step up, but, um, I'll start with Eric since, you know, KD was the original reason he became a Thunder fan. So, you know, you're you were a, once a big KD fan. It's two to two now. He doesn't have any all stars left, really. I mean, he's got Blake Griffin, but um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but his team, he's the best player. Definitely. He's got to step up and win the games. What do you think happens? Do you think he can do it? And you know, what kind of a difference does this make for his resume if they end up winning the series and potentially a championship later down the down the line without uh, Harden and Kyrie? Yeah, this is going to be big for him if he can uh, lead the Nets to a victory here, because obviously going into the series, even uh, when James Harden got hurt, you know, the Nets were still the favorites, especially after the blowout in game two. But then they were already struggling in game four, and then Kyrie goes down. And I don't know. the Buck, I think the Bucks have made some great adjustments. And uh, as much as I don't like this guy, like putting P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant has uh, done wonders for them because even though – KD still, you know, gets his buckets and everything. He missed a lot of shots. He forced some bad shots. And uh, P.J. Tucker has really, like, gotten into his head. So that that's the first thing that KD himself personally is going to have to do is he's going to have to figure out a way to not let P.J. Tucker get into his head like that. Because if, if he keeps getting – he played really emotional in that game for, uh, like – 
kind of what unfortunately what I see a lot of stars in the NBA do nowadays is like not necessarily flopping, but whining to the officials a lot and just trying to pulling a PJ Tucker <laughs> instead of trying to like create his own shot. It was like he was trying to create a foul to get to the free throw line. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you don't need to do that, man. You're like one of the best players in the league at just being able to get your own jump shot whenever you want. Like, why are you doing this? I don't. I didn't Not like Harden trying doing. to draw fouls all the time. Yeah, I literally saw him three different times in game four, like go for a three with a defender on him and then just kind of flail his arms into the defender as he threw it, which ended up being a horrible shot, thinking he was going to get a whistle, and then he didn't, which then led to a rebound for the Bucks and then an easy transition basket for Giannis. I mean, you can't do that. that that's the way Giannis gets his points, you know, a lot of the time is in transition. Like you, that's where he's best at. You can't, you can't force yourself into bad situations like that. So that he's got to get right in the head mentally. Like I, hopefully they use this time to, uh, you know, come up with a new game plan now that they're not going to have Kyrie. Cause like Zach said, I, I would be shocked if he comes back like that injury looks pretty bad. So but I, I'm excited for the challenge for him because the way I've always thought KD could redeem himself um, after leaving the Thunder and everything would be if he were to leave the Warriors, which was step number one, which he did, but then go to a different team where you're the only superstar on the team and win a championship. Like, if you do that, like, I would consider moving him past LeBron if he can do that. But then when they, you know, he teamed up with Kyrie and then they traded for James Harden. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter if the Nets win a championship now because it, if it, they don't win a championship, then it's like, yeah, if anything, yeah, yeah it's, if anything, it's like the legacy would be hurt if they were fully healthy and lost. But now with Kyrie and Harden out of the picture for who knows how long, this is his chance to step up. Like Zach, Zach said, and show that he can do it. I don't know if he's, going to be able to do it but i'm excited to see it happen but like zach said too like the other guys can't just be like oh here kd you take the ball you take the ball like like he did a great job in the second like the second part of the third quarter like he went on a tear and if he can play like that the nets can do it but then i don't know like i said he he got too emotional and took too many really dumb shots and had turnovers and the, the nets are not going to get it done if he keeps playing like that so like, KD, I, I'm going to be paying attention to you, man. Like, I, I'm i watching you, bro. I, I want to see you step up your game. I'd rather the Bucks win the series, honestly, just because I'm not really a fan of any of the big three on the Nets. But if you can pull this off, KD, without James Harden and Kyrie, my respect level for you will go way up. So I don't. I know they've got a million other reasons to worry about winning besides that, but just know <laughs> that'll happen. <laughs> You'll have Eric's seal of approval. Yes, I, I will finally respect you again. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. So uh, I'll I'll, I'll kind of go to Connor now from a Bucks perspective, like because we were originally going to kind of like Eric Howell. He was saying how it would be embarrassing if they had lost fully healthy. Whereas now you're looking at a Bucks perspective, the Nets all they're left to is is KD now. So from the Bucks perspective. Uh, Connor, do you think it would be kind of embarrassing now to lose this series now that you have it tied two to two and it's only KD now? You've got Giannis, you've got Middleton, you've got Holiday, you've got all your all your people except for 
um, DiVincenzo, he's been out. But um, with all those injuries that the Nets have now, is this really like a must-win series for Giannis, in your opinion? I mean, it probably, it would, I don't know if I would call it embarrassing, per se. Like, it would definitely sting for the Bucks. Yeah. Like, to come back, like you said, tie the series, and now you have this great opportunity. I think I would say, if it was, if it wasn't KD that was the only one left, then I'd say it'd be more embarrassing. Like if it was just like Kyrie left or just yeah. James Harden left, then I think it would be embarrassing because I mean, shutting down Kyrie on his own or shutting down James Harden on his own is pretty easy for the most part. I mean, or like, you know, cause Kyrie, like he won't get his scoring and he might facilitate and Harden's just going to hog the ball all the time. So like, even though he may still get like 30, some 40 points, like no one else is going to do anything. So, and he's a terrible defender. So like, you'll be able to win pretty easily. I mean, it's what happened with the Rockets for ages. So, um, but with it being KD, like I said, you know, I respect him a, a lot that he is one of the best players in the league. So if he can carry this team, like it wouldn't shock me if he could, obviously we haven't seen him do yeah. it yet, but I mean, you know, I just slightly picking up piggybacking off of what Eric said. It would, I mean, obviously this wouldn't be quite on this level, but like, the one moment where I respected LeBron more than like any other time was the way that he carried that Cavaliers team to the championship that year. Like, obviously he wasn't going to beat the Warriors with just him. Like that Warriors team was unstoppable, but like just the way that he on his own carried a bunch of bums in Cleveland to the championship. I was like, wow, like that's like, I'll give you respect for that LeBron. This to me, like, especially going against this Bucks team too. Like if he can do that, it, it goes up like Eric said, but with the front back to the Bucks perspective, I mean, it's just, it would be like, if they lose this series, I agree. They probably need to fire their coach because clearly something's not working. You know, obviously Giannis has his issues when it comes to like, you know, I think you were talking about it last podcast, or maybe we were just talking about it. Like when we were playing two care, but like how it seems like, you know, obviously He's still a really good defender. He's still, you know, a great rebounder. He's still a beast in transition. He's a beast in the paint, like blah, 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 blah. But like, as soon as they get to the playoffs, you know, it's like his three point rating goes way down. His free throw rating goes way down. It's like he somehow forgets how to shoot when like no matter where it's from on the court, you know, whether it's from like a standing at the free throw line and shooting free throws or behind the arc or, you know, even some of his mid. Yeah, you're even. (laughs) some of his mid-range shots like he just forgets how to shoot come the playoffs i mean you know it's really and like you said it's a golden opportunity now for the bucks because honestly the bucks like they can beat you know the hawks or they can beat the sixers this is like their biggest test you know i said going into the playoffs that i'd be shocked if it was anyone other than the bucks or nets coming out of the east and this is their chance to really like you know you've got a nets team that's down and out as long as you contain kd easy Right. But, you know, that's what we thought when it came to the heat last year, where it was like, oh, all you got to really do is contain Jimmy Butler. And then, you know, this Bucks team should easily, you know, go on to the next round. But then they couldn't even do that. Or like Giannis was looking even worse. And then like, you know, Giannis was doing bad. And then Middleton would have his off nights because Middleton has his off nights for sure. Like mm-hmm. he's definitely not a consistent number two scorer for them. So, you know, it's it's something that really needs to happen for them. Again, I don't know if it would be embarrassing per se, but it would just be like, it would lead to a lot of changes for them. Like, I think again, like definitely the coach would be gone. And I think they would really need to, I think a lot of their players would be gone. Like they'd probably find a way to trade Brooke Lopez. They'd probably find a way to, 
you know, trade PJ Tucker. They'd probably, I mean, I think they'd keep holiday, but honestly, if they go down like this, I wouldn't be surprised if they even started trying to find ways to get maybe trade Middleton for something. Oh yeah. Cause I just, yeah, he, I just I feel agree. like he has too many off nights. Like, okay. If you're really supposed to be this, like, you know, he looks like an all-star when he plays, you know, his normal way, but he's just so inconsistent and Giannis really needs that second, you know, really consistent score. So it would lead to a lot of shakeups in Milwaukee if they lost this series. For sure. All right. So let's get now to the last series uh, that's still going on to talk about. And that's Clippers Jazz. Jazz are up two to one as we record this. I know they got a lead right now. Pretty sizable one against Utah. But hey. Uh, they're the Clippers, so I'm not counting it until it's final. So it's two, <laughs> it's two to one Jazz right pandemic, now. Pandemic talk. P hasn't showed up yet. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi just drilled a three as I was as I was watching it. But um, but yeah, so it's it's two one Jazz right now. And the article that I have is kind of talking about how different Game Three was for the Clippers. So um, basically, Game One. Uh, really, the first two games, they were both kind of close games that the Jazz won at home. And I thought at the time that they were really like must win games for the Jazz because Mike Conley's injury has been really mysterious as far as what they've been saying. It's been, uh, oh, he's out for this game. He'll be questionable the next one. OK, he's definitely going to be back by game four. He's not playing in game four right now. So it's who knows what Mike Conley's actually in actual injury is. We really don't know. And, and so Donovan Mitchell also, he got hurt and re aggravated the injury he had in the regular season. So he's hobbled. He's definitely not a hundred percent. So this really comes down now. Kawhi and Paul George, they are in a great spot. I think to take the series, if the jazz aren't healthy, and if they show up, and it seems like they've been showing up more uh, recently in these uh, second two games in L.A. than they did the first two games. Um, and this is just, just gets back to the whole Clippers conversation about like how on paper this team could compete for a title and win a championship. No question about it. But we look at the team and there's no like quote unquote closers on the team. There's no real good clutch players. I mean, cause Kawhi, he had some, he's very inconsistent in the clutch. I'll say that he can, there was times in the Dallas series. He was great. There were other times there were games that they lost that he was pathetic in. And then we all know Paul George is terrible in the, in the clutch pandemic P that's how he got that nickname. So I'll swing it over to Eric, the, the Clippers believer and, you know, you've been believing in this team more than than Connor and I have. So, what's your expectations for this? Are do you do you feel good about your your Clippers' chances here to win the series, um, or, or are you worried? Um, well, obviously, after the first two games, I was pretty worried. <laughs> uh, just like the Mavericks series, man, they lost the uh, first two games, but then. You know, they came back and had a, a pretty dominant showing there in game three. So that was that was a relief to see. But that's just why I don't understand that. Like you talked about the inconsistencies. I don't I just obviously no team's going to go out and, you know, win by 20 plus points every game. Like 
even super teams have not been able to do that like all the time. But I mean, this team should be so much better than they are. I, I just don't understand why they're so inconsistent. Like, but I'm still, I'm still believing in them. I mean, they're up, they're up pretty big right now. Um, the biggest thing for the Clippers, I think, uh, to win the series is they just have to find a way to contain Mitchell. I mean, he's been, even with the re-aggravation of the injury, um, he's been playing pretty good here. Uh, he actually has 17 points in the second quarter, which has been pretty amazing. Uh, it's been pretty cool to watch, but uh, no one else on the jazz is really doing much. So you contain Mitchell, you beat the jazz. I mean, that that's the, that they've got, a you know, other good pieces around it, but it's kind of like what we talked about with the Sixers and Hawks, how like, what the Sixers really need to do is can you know contain Trey Young as best as possible and force someone else to step up. Like I think this it's the same thing for the Clippers to beat the Jazz. You just gotta, you know, the even with Mitchell going off, like the Clippers still have the lead in this game. But I mean, if he wasn't going off this quarter, it'd be the lead would be even bigger. I mean, so force force someone else to beat you, contain Mitchell and um don't let the Jazz hit so many threes because they're good at that too. Like they were one well, of the best three point shooting teams. Yeah, go ahead. I have another. I have another like a quick question for you. Do okay. you think that their defense is overrated? The Jazz or Clippers? the Clippers? The Clippers. The Clippers. Yeah, I mean their their defense is definitely overrated. I mean you you look on paper and you think, man, they got Kawhi, who's always been a top defender. PG, who's been known for a defender, like Patrick Beverly, who. Which he's definitely an overrated defender, in my opinion. But that's supposed to be like the strength of his game that he's a good defender. His strength, uh, is, his his biggest strength now is clapping. He averages a hundred claps a game. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so it's uh, yeah, he does do that a lot. <laughs> but um, I I do think their defense is overrated. I mean, I, I've noticed though the key to success against the Clippers is. Their transition defense is really bad. Like, you, if you can score quick on them, like that—that's the recipe for success to be the Clippers. Now, when you're constantly in half-court sets and having to score on them, it's it's a lot harder than that. That's when their defense is better. But if when you force, you know, when you get you know pandemic P showing up and you know when bad Kawhi shows up and they're getting a lot of turnovers and you can score easy buckets in transition that that's the recipe to beat the Clippers. Like, it, like for example, in this game right now, the Clippers are pretty big because they're actually making their shots, which is then forcing the jazz to have to run a half court offense. And they haven't really been that successful with it. But then like towards the end of the half here, the Clippers have been missing some shots. They had a couple turnovers and then the jazz hit like four or five threes. So even though they're still down by like 20, they're still in the game because of these you know, this run of threes they're hitting. So yeah. uh, the Clippers transition defense is really bad. So that's how you beat them. But I, I am worried is still, I, I don't, the Clippers are obviously going to have to win a game in Utah to win the series. And the jazz fans definitely seem to be living rent free in Paul George's head right now. Like, <laughs> like with the whole like pandemic P chance yeah. and playoff P chance, like, and the, he has, he's been great at home this series so far, but and the two games in Utah, he was terrible. So, uh, yeah, but if Kawhi and PG are both on their game, then the Jazz are not going to win the series. So, but I don't know. I just I just want to avoid the rant. I mean, I already went off on LeBron for like 20 <laughs> minutes last week, and I kind of went off on Ben Simmons a little bit this episode. So <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid, I mean, you know, I'm trying to 
you know, I am the ranter, but you know, I don't want to always rant, you know, <laughs> <laughs> got to save it for when it's real special. Okay. Um, for sure. Yeah. So, so Connor, my question is, uh, for you is like, um, like we know Mitchell is vitally important, but who else do you think is like the, the new X factor for the jazz? Like Clarkson, Gobert, Ingles, somebody else. Like when when uh, what's his face? Mike Conley comes back if he does. What what would be that other X factor you would pick? I mean, it would honestly probably be for me. It's so hard for me. To, I'm picking between Conley and Clarkson, honestly. Like because Gobert, like you know, he's not. He's obviously, like, he's always going to be his usual, like, defensive player of the year self. Like, he's never really a big offensive threat. Um, You know, as long as he holds down the paint, that's fine. But that's not, like, where the game is going to be won or lost here. It's not like, you know, the Clippers have a dominant big man that Gobert needs to contain. Like, you know, he's not going to be out there guarding Kawhi or PG. So, um, yeah, for me, it has to be either Conley or Clarkson. Like, someone else has to... You know, it's kind of like what we've talked about for the Hawks, too. Like, I don't know, the series feels very similar in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. Like, someone else has to step up. Like, Clarkson, especially, like, in this game. I mean, Clarkson, he was really good in Game 2 of this series, but he's kind of been, like, he's been really absent, like, Game 1, Game 3, and especially now, he's, like, 2 of 9 in this game. Like, he's been horribly absent from this game. He's supposed to be, you know, their sixth man coming off the bench, and he's not putting up the points, so it's really the Jazz are missing Mike Conley here because, you know, he's another scoring option for them that can really, you know, if Mitchell's having an off night or if Mitchell's like, you know, they're finally starting to contain him, then Conley can start getting those points for them. So they just have to find another offensive option. Um, and yeah, I don't know what's going on with Conley. It's like, I keep seeing like that he's got like some sort of hamstring injury, like, oh, he's out because of hamstring tightness or something. I'm like, okay, well, that's obviously not it. Like, your hamstring being a little tight isn't going to keep you out of a playoff game most of the <laughs> yeah, time. Like, so. Trevor Lawrence has hamstring tightness, and they said he could play if they had to play a game right now. So Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, hamstring tightness doesn't keep you out of anything. So uh, it's especially not the playoffs. It's just very strange, like you said, what's going on with him. But, I mean, if he comes back, then I think it's, you know, watch out Clippers. But the thing about the jazz really that they need to fix more than anything. I mean, this kind of goes with like finding that second score, but they have to find a way to stop going on these runs where they miss like 15 shots in a row or something. Like I was looking, you know, at how the Clippers at one point had almost were getting up to like a 30 point lead at one point. And it's because the jazz were like 23% from the field or something. They were like eight of like 33 or something. It's like, you can't be doing that, especially for, you know, I know the NBA doesn't give out any trophy. This is like a hockey reference, but like the president's trophy winner of the NBA was the jazz this year. They had the best record. It's like, you get this team that's got the best record and they're out here shooting 23% through the first quarter. You know, it's just not something that is, becoming of their nature of their team so they just got to find a way to stop doing that i mean obviously they were able to overcome it somehow in game two i don't know how they did but you know some magical thing fans they they play they play really well in utah you know yeah it's like credit the fans and credit pandemic p for showing up as well (laughs) so you know i mean obviously that could still happen in this game but if they can find a way to fix that then you know i don't see any reason why the jazz can't go on i mean i don't know i think i feel like they're just kind of gonna be that like 
I feel like with the Nets, like, you know, trying to compare them to the Nets here, you know, probably, you know, Utah coming in was the best team in the West. And even though the Nets weren't the one seed, they were probably still the best team in the East. Um, you know, the Nets, like when they, when the Nets are on and they win, you know, they're, we're expecting them to get like dominant wins. Like, oh, you know, like you said, cause it's a super team, you know, oh, they're, they should be out here when everyone's healthy, they should be winning by like 15, 20, which they usually do when they're on. But I think the Jazz are going to kind of be that team where, you know, obviously they won't do this missing 15, 20 shots in a row or whatever, but like they're going to be that team that I feel like they're going to win a lot of close games on their way to the champion, to the NBA finals. And we're going to kind of look at them and we're going to think like, oh man, like, I don't know if this team can do it. Like they've been in so many close games. Like they're not the team we thought they were, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's just the kind of team they are right now. Like they're just going to be that team that's going to win these tough, close games. They're going to win these gritty games and that's how they're going to get there. But obviously need to fix the, said it like five times now, missing 20 shots in a row problems that they have. Yeah. All right, guys. Great episode. Uh, We will be back next week to talk. Hopefully, you know, we'll be talking about some losers of the playoffs. We're going to hopefully have some previews to talk about and also maybe a game seven. uh, If that's possible for us to talk about on the next podcast, not sure. But until then, guys, (laughs) remember, be clutch. Bye.